Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, we're, re- we're recording right now, so I think we should tell your audience that the first 10 minutes of this show has to be redone because mm, somebody forgot to push record. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Your host, David, is back. Happy to visually, uh, virtually see you guys. And uh, I can actually see my gang, my friends, my family, Art Tornabeni. How you doing, man? Doing good. I mean, Mother's Day was yesterday. We had, uh, we had a good day around here, a lot of cake. A lot of good food. I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing? Doing good, and, and joined also by our other man here, Eric Mendelson. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was May. Uh, I stepped outside, and it was in the low 50s and windy. I thought it was March. Oh, it's awful. It's cold. It's just like Eric's heart. <laughs> oh yeah, when I'm breaking them. Uh. Well, guys, we have a amazing show today. We are uh, we had the honor of talking with uh, Dodger legend Oral Hershiser. Um, had an absolute blast interviewing him. He was so gracious to give us his time. Uh, I, I know I speak for Eric and Art when I say that we I mean we were laughing the whole time, and and Oral couldn't have been uh, a nicer guy. So we we had an absolute blast with him. We hope you guys like the interview. Uh, we think it was a really good time. Um, before we uh, we let the listeners kind of hear what they came here for and hear Oral kind of talk a little bit baseball and, and some other things, do you guys want to say anything before we get out of here? Guys, follow us, Triple A Fantasy. The numbers are going up. We appreciate it. We love it. Thank you so much. Weekly shout out to Jeff McNeil. You should learn from Oral Hershiser and respond to our tweets. Bike <laughs> drop. <laughs> I I just I mean it's been a few days since we talked to Oral. I'm still kind of buzzing from it. Uh, it's pretty great. I I can't wait to get this out to everyone, and so they could all hear what we, that the conversation we got to have with them. Yeah, and uh, just aware for everybody, he does insult us uh, numerous <laughs> times. <laughs> but if you get insulted by Oral Hershiser, you take it. You do. You do. Uh, so uh, we hope fun. you and guys enjoy. Fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We, we hope you guys enjoy uh, our time with Oral. We won't hold you any longer. Enjoy our interview with uh, Oral Hershiser. All right, well, we welcome in the Bulldog, Oral Hershiser, three-time All-Star, NL Cy Young Award winner, World Series champ, and a World Series MVP. Oral spent 18 years in the big leagues pitching for four different organizations and he still holds the MLB record for 59 consecutive scoreless innings pitched. Now, 
He's color commentating with Joe Davis as the primary broadcast team for the L.A. Dodgers. And some fun facts about Oral. He's a professional poker player, huge red wine aficionado. Favorite, favorite workout song is We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. And he's no stranger to the podcast game. <laughs> Has the successful podcast called Off Air. Oral, my man, how's it going? I just hope we're recording. I don't want to hear that intro again. <laughs> God, the, the the critics are real. All right, never yeah. again. Delete it off my my screen. So, just as before we get started, how many people are we actually talking to? Uh, you guys have a, a large following. Are you above a hundred? Um, where are you? Thousand? Couple thousand? Our we get above hundred. Our Twitter is Twitter. Eric is building up strong. We got over a hundred. We're getting about 100-ish plays a week. Okay, now Strong, strong has a contextual realm. Okay, Strong. Okay, I got it. We're talking like 225 pounds on the bench for like 30 reps strong. All right, good. Um, yeah. Well, I wish you guys... are going up, though. That's the most important thing. Slowly what? but surely. Uh, that's right. Slow you go. Um, so we did have a bunch of little fun talking with Oral, uh, but Art did forget to press record. I'm going to put that out there for everybody. You won't get to hear the great banter we had before we get into stuff, but uh, I will, as Oral's given us his uh, time, I don't want to hold up on things. So we'll hop right into our uh, first question we wanted to ask you. Art, uh, go ahead, take it away. Oral, in your Cy Young season, you threw 15 complete games, 267 innings pitched. It was a run of three straight seasons where you threw at least 256. In the last 15 years, there's only been one season of at least 250. Wow. And uh, now it's commonplace for people to average one strikeout per inning, whereas in the 80s and early 90s, I can think maybe Nolan Ryan. I right. was wondering if you had any thoughts about how pitching has changed since you played. Well, it's definitely every pitch is more stressful. Uh, every time they've built a new ballpark, they take away foul territory. So over the years... Pitching and defense has gotten harder and harder. Uh, the most important thing about pitching is to really be a mystery, not only to be able to pick the right pitch selection, but to be a mystery to the hitter. And the mystery is slowly going away because of all the data and all the tendencies that they can study. So I think every pitch is a little bit more stressful. Um, I, I think that, you know, the strikeout value for a pitcher has gone up especially in scouting. They're looking for velocity. They're looking for an unbelievable breaking ball. And I think for me in my day, it wasn't about the strikeout. The strikeout was an integral part if there was a runner on third and less than two out. If there was a man on second and he didn't want to move over to third with less than two out, and you might want the out in the right place. But the strikeout doesn't allow him to move up 90 feet. But I think the strikeout has really gone through the roof as far as the value to the pitcher and the devalue, you know, of to the hitter that they don't care. They're taking a lot of more full swings. So in my day, I looked for early contact, wasn't worried about the strikeout. I was worried about, you know, going deep into the game, keeping my pitch count down. And pitch count has changed a lot too, as far as the complete game. I mean, to go 120 to 135 pitches was not out of the ordinary in my day. Uh, now, you know, guys are, guys are gassed at around 90 and looking over at the dugout. But I, it do, I don't think that they, they couldn't do the 120, 130. I just think that's the way they're trained. And, you know, the bullpen has become a sophisticated part of a, of a championship club and matchups at the end of the game. So, again, that, that goes to, you know, I'm, I'm going to go a shorter distance. I'm going to go full bore. And uh, I got a chance to strike out more guys. It just seems like that's the, uh, that's the style. 
going off of that long-worded guy again, um, going off of that, so I, I did a little research on your pitch mix, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you threw a, a sinking fastball to either side of the plate, a cutter, uh, a curveball, and a straight change, and you used various different arm speeds and arm angles. And um, so one of the quotes I saw that you would come out with is you said, pitchers say they had great stuff and got shelled, but you never heard them say they had great location and got shelled. Do you mm -hmm. feel that location is kind of a lost art in today's uh, day and age since so much focus is on velocity and kind of overpowering hitters? Yeah, I, I don't think we point it out as much. I still think it's at, at the high, high end of pitching, uh, but I don't. I think that people are more impressed in broadcasts and in ooh and, and on in a stadium when the velocity is 95 and above. Um, but if you, you have a baseball and you uh, – you know, if you have a baseball, there's so many things that can happen with this thing. You can you can take it and you can make it go fast. You can take it and you can curve it. You can take it and you can change the direction of what you how you curve it, or you can change the speed on it. And I think hitting your spot with some late movement is the best way to get people out. Now, why do I say that's the best compared to velocity? Because velocity just in the strike zone, a big league hitter can time a bullet. And so we know late movement works and it can work without velocity because we know a knuckleball works. So if a knuckleball works at 57 miles an hour because they can't tell where it's going to move or what it's going to do, then, and we know a hundred mile an hour fastball down the middle gets smoked. So now we've, we've eliminated velocity as the key ingredient and we've figured out, okay, so why is it getting a guy out? All about movement it's because he gets it off the barrel the bat either swing and miss or or hit weakly and if you can do if you can hit your spots and you can change the movement slightly or change the speed because the next thing is you want to get rid of the velocity of the bat you either want them out in front or or, or late and so change of speeds change of direction and hitting your spot i think are the key to pitching yeah and Great, great points. Um, I don't know if we broke the news to you when David introduced you. Um, you had a record-setting 59 uh, scoreless inning streak. Um, do you remember <laughs> the batter that scored the run and the batter that got the RBI off of you? Todd Benzinger got the RBI. I don't know who scored. It was the first start of the next year in Cincinnati, and uh, I didn't even start opening day because my elbow – and shoulder pretty much had scarred down from the year before. I wasn't even sure I was going to start the year on the DL. We didn't tell anybody at the time. And so, uh, yeah, you would think that after winning the World Series and all the things that we did the day, the year before that I would have started opening day, but I didn't. Uh, my, I was, I came limping out of spring training that year and, and really didn't feel really very good to about a month and a half into that season, but then had a pretty good year in 89, um, I don't know. remember who scored the run. I mean, with Benzinger, Benzinger was probably just came over from maybe Kansas City or wherever he came from, and he became maybe Larkin, maybe somebody like that scored. It um, was Barry Larkin. Was it really? So my question is, do you ever replay anything from that inning and say, man, I shouldn't have thrown that pitch to Barry Larkin, got him on base, or, you know, to Benzinger? Um, no. No, because I don't even know if we won or lost that game. I just know the streak was over. I thought it was kind of crazy. I thought it was crazy to have, you know, the World Series, go to the go to the Rose Garden and meet President Reagan, go to the last Reagan State dinner and sit next to Margaret Thatcher, sing the doxology on the Johnny Carson show, get on all the other TV shows, come to New York and receive the Cy Young. 
have Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, New Year's Eve, all these things, a full spring training. And, and now you show up for the next year and don't start opening day and then give up a run in the first, oh, run in the first inning, the streak's over. I'm like, the streak's over? How can you not count the eight innings in the playoffs and tell me that the streak is still going the next year? I've already given up runs. I gave up runs in the playoffs. You know, the first eight innings in the playoffs against the Mets were shutout innings. And then I think I was attributed a run in the ninth when I got removed. And then I know I gave up runs in the World Series a couple. So I'm like, there is really no streak. So it, it was like, okay, you're going back out there. But for me, it felt kind of empty. Give up a run or continue the streak. Excuse me. It felt empty. Like, whatever. It's over. You know, we've got the trophies. we got to go try and win another championship this year. Love that attitude. Yeah. Um, so, Oral, you played against some great guys in your career. You've faced guys like Tony Gwynn, Daryl Strawberry, Ryan Sandberg. Is there a different way you approached attacking, like, the big-time hitters as opposed to just kind of normal major league hitters? Did you try to pitch those guys, like, more inside than others, or, or how did you attack those guys? Yeah, um, the key, with the key, which I learned from Sandy Koufax, is to get the hitters out that you're supposed to get out, and the good hitters are going to get their hits. What you do with the good hitters are hopefully nobody's on base when you face them. And when they hit, they just get singles or doubles. They keep them in the park. Um, it felt like to me when I was pretty tactical as far as my ability and thinking through a lineup. So I did not have the the low walk ratio that maybe a lot of successful pitchers have. I, I would walk two to four guys a game, but it usually was a strategic walk. It wasn't something that I'm like – walking guys because I was wild. I was walking guys because I was picking a little bit and working my way around the lineup. And because we weren't uh, on these serious pitch counts like they are today, I never worried about time it was sort of taking me out because my pitch count got too high or I'm wasting too many pitches with being tactical around these the lineup. I think today I'd probably walk a lot less guys knowing that I wanted to go deep into the game and I've only got 100 to 110 pitches to work with. Uh, those extra 20 pitches – can be used, you know, to walk a guy, to go a little deeper in the count, to make sure you you work a guy in a certain way to get the out in a certain direction that you're looking for, or a ground ball, fly ball, left side, right side, you know, astroturf in the day compared to natural grass, wind blowing out the right compared to left, all that different kind of strategies that come into pitch selection, you sometimes can use more pitches to make sure you're getting to that area or getting the ball hit in the direction you want or on the, at the level you want. And today, I'm not sure you could do that quite as much, uh, using those pitches to kind of work your way towards getting the out correctly. I'm glad you brought up Tommy Lasorda because I was thinking about, you played for a lot of great managers, Mike Hargrove, Bobby Valentine, but the majority of your career was with Tommy Lasorda. He mm -hmm. was 21 years a manager of the Dodgers, and now you hear all this talk about how managers and coaches lose the locker room. What was so special about Tommy Lasorda that he managed to keep the locker room for 21 years? Yeah, um, I think back in the day, the boss was the boss. And now the manager is more the peer of the player. They're all on, kind of on the same team. Uh, the manager has to deal with the player's agent a little bit more that know that the contract that the guy has is going to be, you know, five years and over $50 million. So there's a huge commitment to the players. And so the manager really has a much more strenuous job as far as maintaining the locker room nowadays and can be one of the first to be blamed to say the locker room has been lost. But I think 
they're dealing with a lot less moldable clay in the locker room. You know, in the day you were moldable because Tommy Lasorda was the boss and Fred Clare was the GM and you, they were your bosses. You know, what they said went and they were backed up by management. They were backed up by ownership. They were backed up by all the other owners and all of Major League Baseball. And so I think the players now have a lot more power and, and I think they know it consciously compared to subconsciously in the day we kind of knew we had some of it, but you never voiced your opinion. And so I think Dave Roberts has done an absolutely masterful job working through this culture. Um, and I think Tommy Lasorda could have worked through this culture for sure, but it would have been a, a different style. Uh, you don't have the Sparky Andersons, the Tommy Lasordas, the Bobby Coxes, these little bit more gruff, rough around the edges motivators uh, in the game as much right now. Uh, you have more guys that are very media savvy or very low key, you know, that don't say a whole lot more. The Dodger manager like Walter Alston, um, and they don't throw themselves into the fire quite as much as the older managers did in my day. We're talking to uh, to Oral Hershiser here. Um, uh, he's drinking something that looks really good. I'm really curious what that club, is. Club soda and uh, cranberry juice. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's a good and after one. five o'clock, there might be something else in there. Oh, <laughs> love to hear. So, Oral, I got a question, and this is transitioning to another sport, poker. Obviously, pocket aces is the best hand pre-flop. But is there any hand that when you get, you're like, I feel good about it. I got to play it. Like, for me, I will always play pocket fives no matter what. That's my number. I always have to play 55, you know. <laughs> very good. I'm glad you, glad you did. Um, you know what? I think about there are some favorite hands that I have, um, and it usually depends on position and my table image and how much stack I have in front of me and how much of the stacks of the people I'm playing against. Because if I'm going to play four, six of clubs and I've looked really conservative over the last, you know, loop or two, and I've been folding a lot, and now all of a sudden I'm in a place where I can uh, come in and raise and maybe steal three three limpers but I'm doing it with four, six of clubs. And now somebody calls me and I'm heads up. I can represent the big hand, the ace king, the pair of kings, the pair of queens, the pair of jacks, the ace queen, you know, suited. And I also might hit a big bad board of like, there's a two clubs out there and one's the three. And now I got a backdoor straight draw. And now I got a flush draw. And now the only hand I'm worried about is the higher flush draw on the other side you know, the club draw on the other side, because I've got a club draw, I've got a backdoor straight draw, I've got, I've got some things here, maybe the flop comes, you know, I don't know, let's go six, six, seven, and I've got four, six of clubs, nobody's going to put me on a pair of sixes for the raise, nobody's going to put me on the four, six of clubs, you know, there's no hand I'm really worried about, so if they start playing against me, they probably think I have an over pair to the board. You know, they're they're playing their top big pair against my what they think is a big pair, and we're gonna play a hand. So it depends. It depends. You know, aces are great, but I'd rather play you know seven eight of spades, four six of clubs. Uh, I'd rather play some Daniel Negrano hands. I love you. I, I'm with I'm with you on suited connectors. You can never go wrong playing those. <laughs> So, so Oral, so you played baseball, you played poker, both are competitive games. What's yeah. a better, what's a better feeling then? Is it a better feeling to strike a guy out that's talking a lot of trash to you or to face up, beat a guy in poker that's talking a lot of trash to you? And just stack him. 
Well, I'm usually the guy at the table doing a lot of a lot of talking because a talking table is a loose table. And, you know, I like to hear people's voices. I like them to think that they want to have a story about beating Oral Hershiser out of a hand. So my, <laughs> my variance, my variance as far as my stack sizes changes a lot because I get a lot of action. Um, so I don't know if there's a better feeling. I def definitely think baseball is the better feeling because the only reason I play poker is you can compete sitting on your rear end. And that's all I can do this age you know, with all the arthritis running through my body. So yeah, I would say that uh, playing poker is a great adrenaline rush now, but the reason I play poker is to kind of recreate the great adrenaline rush from, from baseball days. That's awesome. So we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, we like to end our, our shows with always some kind of game. And so I'm just going to ask you. Are we sure this is going to be the end? Because is record? Have we recorded this? Can we finally say that we've done it? Okay, yeah, good. absolutely. I'm All right, sure. go ahead. Art, yeah, Art would be like fed to the wolves if it wasn't recording. Yeah. I'd be kicked, I'd be kicked off. Uh, but, okay, so I'm going to ask you 10 questions of rapid fire, either or, okay? So without thinking about it, you just tell me which one oh, comes to your mind. So no thinking. No thinking. How, how do you actually say give an answer without thinking? I want to hear this one. Okay. I, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you an extra, I'll give you a couple seconds to think. Okay. That's all I'll give you. Is that blush or are you turning red? <laughs> it's the reflection of the shirt, man. It's now, how in danger can you interview a Dodger that lives in Nevada and Los Angeles and wear a Kansas City Chiefs shirt? You front runner. Come on, <laughs> let's go. Everybody thinks that I'm a big Chiefs fan. Oh, well, yeah. Going back to almost like in the early, early 2000s, the Brody Croyles, Tyler Thigpen days. Okay. Oral, you don't look impressed. No. <laughs> yeah, David, you're wearing you're wearing a football shirt while we're doing it. I'm not allowed to think, so how can I think back? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or are you ready for this? I'll give you the I'll give you two seconds to think. Hey, guys, this is a good warm up for my next interview. It's with NBC, so they're going to be a little bit more professional. Go ahead, continue on. So that, it'll be your second best interview of the day. Yes, because I'm only going two. Everybody else is tied for first. <laughs> okay, so Cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese Doritos? Cool Ranch. Good answer. Pancakes or waffles? What? Some Pancake, waffles. Oh, pancakes waffles. or waffles? Waffles all day long. I don't know if I like that one. Uh, You'll we'll be lucky if you get any more answers to keep. <laughs> <laughs> Celsius or Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Cardio or weights? Cardio. Run 100 miles an hour or fly one mile an hour? Oh, I can't uh, think. Made you think this one. <laughs> I can't think. Run 100 miles an hour or fly? One mile an hour. So you would just be like kind of gliding in the air. I'd say fly. So you want to be like a kind of like a butterfly, just like flying around. If I could call on that superpower at any time, I think flying would be more advantageous than running 100 miles an hour. Fair, fair. Uh, Batman or Superman? Superman, since I pick flying. Oh, no, <laughs> I thought you were going to be a Batman guy, man. Well, I, I was a Batman guy, but I watched both shows. I like Bruce Wayne in the cave. I like Clark Kent. Lois Lane was a little, you know, I, she wasn't pretty enough to really help you the show. Um, <laughs> I like more like Petticoat Junction when the girls were cute and stuff. 
<laughs> you guys don't even know these shows. You're shaking your head. You're, you're millennials. You don't know any of this. <laughs> what if I just surprised you and I actually knew who they were? Even okay. though I don't. Even though I, I know I don't, but. Okay, good. <laughs> just, I can't wait till my second episode with you guys. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> All right. These next four you might have to think about. So I will let you think about them. These are the last four. It's so good to be in your world. <laughs> Fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. Okay, start over on that one. Fight. Fight. A hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. Ooh. One horse-sized duck. I could beat, I could figure out a way to take down one horse sized duck. Then, if a whole bunch of them start pecking at me, I can't get them off of me. <laughs> true, true. true. I, can't, I can't fight a hundred things. They're going to be all over me and they're going to slowly get to me, but I could probably figure out how to get a knife into the throat of that other thing. Just throw, <laughs> just throw them in your, uh, your green egg and then just cook them up. I thought these were my questions. <laughs> <laughs> there, okay, my advice is rescinded. Uh, okay. Be, be a tree or live in a tree for the rest of your life? <laughs> that is such a weird question. Where do you find these? Let's see. Oral, Oral likes this question. If No, I was actually going to answer their question. <laughs> Where do you find these? <laughs> um, I would say uh, live in a tree the rest of my life, like Swiss Family Robinson. Don't know who that is either. Oh, well, if there was ever a great flood again, if we didn't have a Noah's Ark and we had a great flood, you probably would have to live in a tree for a long part of your life until the, the flood subsided and the rainbow came out and God's promise that he would never kill the world again with water. Yeah. So where do you get this? Deep thoughts with Oral Hirschhauser. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to title this podcast. Really? Yeah. Thoughts with oral. I would start, yeah. I would start with something like everybody likes oral. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I like perfect. That. No, but then, then you get to be like on a porn site. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. I thought we had your permission to use that. <laughs> but the, everybody's gonna think it's like everybody loves Raymond. It's like it's gonna be too similar. So we gotta differentiate it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. That will get us more viewers. You have, you have two questions left, and then I gotta I gotta go to the more professional interview. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. A month without internet or a month without bathing? Oh, months without internet's way. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe not your generation, but my generation of months without internet is nothing as long as I had cable. <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah it's definitely the millennial in me that thinks i might just let myself stink oh no you you can't do that you can't <laughs> please i'm glad we're remote <laughs> all right last question sending an accidental bad email to somebody or you have to eat a stick of butter <laughs> oh i would definitely i've already sent the the bad email accidentally, so I'm not worried about that. Really more bad text. How about the text? Okay, yeah, okay. Bad text or a stick of butter. Yeah, I would do the bad text all day long because I know how to make up for that, you know. I can just say, oh, my God, Siri was listening to me, and I didn't mean to say that, or, you know, or spell check got me. Yeah, or, auto, autocorrect. I don't know how it changed. Yeah, exactly. 
Every word is different. I did not mean to say that you're the ugliest person I've ever seen. My phone got hacked, I promise. Yeah. It's a new oh. phone. I haven't figured out how to work it yet. Oh, man. Well, that, that was oh, awesome, that. Laurel. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, we're, we're done? Really appreciate your time. Yeah, of the three of you, look at one's a propeller head. One lives in a dungeon with a terrible... Uh, <laughs> And I don't know what this ceiling is. Look at that ceiling fan coming out. <laughs> Eric, you're a helicopter. Eric, you're a helicopter. Oh, man, I should turn around. It's all right. I, I, I'm proud to say I was roasted by You can't see yourself? Oral, if you're ever in the Maryland area, would love to get a home game going, drink oh, some wine. Yeah. I'd be proud to say I lost my money to you or take your money. What do you play, like one-two at the $200 buy-in? One-two, no limit, or... Two five five hundred dollar buy-in. Yeah, we're big rollers. We do like a dollar and, and ten dollar buy-ins. D- depends if I'm going to the casino or a home game, but oh, you play like sit and goes for a dollar or ten dollar sit and goes. We we kind of mix it up. We do like we've done like Eric. What usually is it's like I'll go to I'll go to Horseshoe sometimes. Do you know three five oh. um, one two? But limit or no do a home game or a ten dollar buy-in. And it's yeah. just more of a fun thing. And if you lose, you buy back in. So Yeah, that's fun. I would love to take your money sometime if we play poker. I'll give you a hint. David's awful. Mm-hmm. Awesome, Oral. Thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. All right. See you guys. See you. Take yeah. care. Bye-bye.